being a part of our service today. And uh, we're, in a, we're in week four of our series called Your Best Life Later. And this series is all about understanding how we can get rid of the instant gratification philosophy that says, I need it now even though it may destroy me, and we're switching to consider how we might develop disciplines and habits, a philosophy of life that leads to long-term health. And this series is based on establishing those things in every area of our life. If you've been here, you know that we've covered quite a bit of ground. We've talked about physical health and spiritual health. This week, we're going to talk about relational health relational health. If you've missed any of these messages, you can go online to our uh, newly designed website, solacechurch.com. You can check any of these messages out. If you weren't here last week, what we learned last week is that Jesus was asked a question. What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus' Jesus' response to that question was very simple. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this sums up the entire commandments. In other words, the best thing that we can be doing with our time is being in a right relationship with God. We call that a vertical relationship. And being in right relationships with one another, these horizontal relationships, person to person. And we learned last week that God has made a way through Jesus so that we could have a right relationship with God and right relationships with one another. That we don't have to live in a broken state, but Jesus came to redeem what was lost from Genesis chapter 3, which is the fall of man. And so today, I want to help us understand how we can experience our best life in terms of horizontal relationships, person-to-person relationships. And I want to take you back to the very beginning because Genesis 3 messed relationships up, both vertically and horizontally. So I want to go back before Genesis 3 to learn what God had in mind in terms of horizontal relationships, person-to-person relationships. And I want to give you this incredibly groundbreaking truth that you've never considered before in your entire life. Relationships with people are hard. They are hard. And there's a reason why relationships with people are hard. The reason they are hard is because you have two broken people with two different personalities, two different worldviews, and two different paths or pasts trying to interact with one another. And that's not the whole of it. On top of that, there are motivations involved, and there's the path and trajectory of life that each person is involved in. And all of these factors complicate the ability for us to interact with each other with health, the way God intended for us to interact. And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want to go back to the beginning. Because in the beginning, God had a pattern for us to exist in, in terms of horizontal relationships. Now, I want to to remind you that when God created humanity, he created man, and he recognized that it was not good for man to be alone. And so God created the possibility for horizontal relationships, I want to read to you the account of God establishing this, kind of, this first horizontal relationship. And I want to concede a point before we get going. That what we're going to read applies specifically to the marriage relationship. 
But the principle, the underlying uh, principle behind the dynamic of a marriage relationship actually does apply across the board in all horizontal relationships, person-to-person relationships. So go back with me to Genesis chapter 2 and let's look at what God had to say about the original design of person-to-person relationships. After God brings the woman to the man, this helpmate or this helper, one suitable, he says this, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother... And be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. The story goes on to say that the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. And the idea is, in the beginning, Adam and Eve could be completely themselves with no covering, and yet feel no shame whatsoever. And I would say to you, in terms of horizontal relationship, God's original design was for us to be completely ourselves, completely real about who we are, and yet have no shame in being the real version of me. Now, as I told you, this passage of Scripture applies specifically to the marriage, and marriage is unique among horizontal relationships. But let's learn the broader idea here behind what God was saying about how horizontal relationships have to work. So notice the breakdown. Notice the three different divisions of what happens when man and woman, in this case, join together, right? So notice, there's this leaving of the father and mother, and we call that independence. And then there is the uniting, being united to his wife. We call that interdependence. And then finally, we see that they become one flesh, and that's called intimacy. So independence, interdependence, and intimacy. And again, remember, they were naked and they felt no shame. This is God's purpose and plan for horizontal relationships. And what I've discovered is, is that along the way, if any of these pieces are distorted, if any of these pieces are dysfunctional, it brings dysfunction into all the relationships that we try to engage in. Now, I want you to think for a moment broader than just the marriage relationship. Because the marriage relationship is critical, but you have close friends, you have coworkers, you have classmates or teammates, you have you know, extended family, you have other friends and other acquaintances. What you're going to learn is this is going to apply across the board. Independence, interdependence, and intimacy as the result of that. And what I've discovered is, though, that there's some dysfunction, and let's talk about what that looks like. So let's take this first piece, which is independence. God establishes this truth that there must be this period where someone is able to stand on their own two feet. This independence thing has to happen first. Now, there's a couple of layers to independence that you have to appreciate to understand how dysfunction can creep in relationships. For instance, independence requires the ability to cope, coping skills. If you're a parent here this morning, this is not a message about parenting, but if you're a parent, I hope you're paying close attention to this. Because one of the great contributions, one of the great gifts you can give to your children is giving them the necessary life skills so that when they leave your home, they are able to function in this great big world. So the idea of coping has to do with uh, being emotionally stable, not this emotional basket case, but having the emotional uh, uh, stability to engage in relationships, having the necessary life skills to be able to resolve conflicts. Uh, standing on your own two feet in terms of being able to hold down a job or pay some bills or manage a checkbook and those kinds of things. Parents are responsible for helping their kids launch at some point. My wife and I, this last week, came face to face with this reality. Grady, at seven years of age, told us he's ready to leave home. (laughs) 
I'm not sure how this got started, but somewhere between my truck, between ba- uh, basketball practice and home in my truck, Grady came to the decision that he was tired of living at our house. And I told Grady, listen, if you're going to be at our house, then you will follow my rules because I'm in charge, mom's in charge, and you will follow our rules in our house. And he resisted that and he rejected that. And so he made the decision it was time for him to leave. (laughs) And so when we got home, Grady began the process of leaving. Now, if you're a parent and you've gone through the process of having your child actually leave the home, Jennifer Jennifer and I can relate at a very small level about what it feels like because our hearts begin to just be stirred by this situation. Grady and I and Jennifer began this dialogue before Grady was about to walk out the door, and it went something like this. Son, you have to realize that if you're leaving tonight, and you don't want to be under our rules, if you're leaving tonight, that means that you're going to have to find food and shelter. You're going to have to have a job so that you can have clothes and you can provide for yourself. Son, you, 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 gotta, you, you have to have those things. And he began to process that some. He realized that he has a BB gun and he can shoot some squirrels, and that kind of <laughs> satisfied this, this, this problem that he was facing. And so we tried to help him understand there's some things you don't know yet, and he wasn't listening to that, and so he finally made the decision. I said, here's the deal, son. If you leave, we're going to miss you, but you can go if you want to go. And so he made the decision that he was going to go, and Jennifer and I are just torn up inside. Jennifer cried a bit. I probably cried a bit as well. And Grady went into the mudroom, and he got his backpack. And he went in from the mudroom into his bedroom and he brought back with him like seven pairs of socks. That's all he brought. Like no other clothes, no coat, just socks. And he takes the socks and he puts them in to his backpack and he goes back around and he gets a couple of pairs of shoes. I believe if I'm not mistaken, he was wearing his boots, but he brought another pair of shoes because I guess you need a couple of pairs of shoes and some good socks to make it in the world, right? That was his idea of what it took. And he went around to each one of us before he walked out the door and he hugged us and he kissed us. And he said goodbye. And, um, and, I, and I got up with him and I walked him to the door. And I said, son, we'll miss you. You come back and see us. He said, okay, Dan, I will. And I opened the door and he walked out the front door. And it was nighttime and it was cold. He did actually have a coat because Jennifer and I suggested him he might want to bring a coat with him. He asked for other items in the house, but I said, no, we own those. You don't. He asked for some money, and I said, my money, not yours. So he walked to the front door. He stood on the front porch, and he looked out into the darkness that was before him. And he turned back around and came back inside. And then he walked back out again to the front porch and said goodbye again and then came back inside again. And for a third time, he walked out towards the front door and this is what I said to him, son, this time if you walk out the door, I'm locking the door. And he didn't go out the door. He put his backpack down, he took his coat off, he put his shoes up and he came and sat down and hung out the rest of the night with us. And as gut-wrenching as that was, it was a reminder to me that 11 years from now, that will be actually what happens. 
And my job as a parent is to make sure that when he leaves my house, that he has the necessary coping skills to exist in this world because he will engage in relationships. And in part, how we help him understand how to engage, it will affect his ability to function or not function in this great big world that we live in. Coping skills. It also requires an identity. And I would suggest to you that in my counseling, in my time sitting down with people and working through the dysfunctions that exist in horizontal relationships, this by far is the biggest issue. Most people do have the ability to function. They can hold down a job, although some can't, quite honestly. Most people can pay their bills and most people can work to resolve some conflict, conflict although some can't. But by and large, the issue is in the independence phase with identity. Most people have never spent the time working through the process to discover who they are and what their greatest contribution to the world really is. They've never spent the time alone with Jesus to discover, am I loved? Am I purposed? Am I gifted? What is my contribution? And so never learning that in those critical years of growing up, they launch from the home and they have no idea why they exist. And so when they engage in relationships one with another, in marriage relationships, in friendships, in their workplace, they are broken and dysfunctional because they don't know who they are. And if you're here today and you've never gone through the process of getting alone with Jesus or working through that process of discovering who you are because you are purposed, you are gifted, and you are loved, if you've never done that, then you will struggle with health in terms of horizontal relationships. We've offered to you all Brad Sprague. Brad's a life coach. He'll be here today at the info desk as well. If you've not taken advantage of Brad Sprague, I encourage you to do that because he's one of those guys that can help you work through those issues. It's coping. It's identity. That's the independence phase. At some point, though, you do leave home. You should leave home. If you don't, it's called failure to launch, and that's dysfunctional. Leave home. Independence. And then, and then there is this next phase, which is, which is called interdependence. The interdependence phase is the phase where you have gone through the process of establishing the necessary skills and the identity so that you can now begin to lean into someone else. Every time you lean into someone else, you bring the good, bad, and ugly with you. It's true in marriage, it's true in friendship, it's true in your work, it's true at school, in every environment that you live in. You bring that with you into these relationships. And if you have not launched from the home correctly, you will fail to lean into other people correctly. There'll be dysfunction. Here's the balance. Here's the tension that exists when you begin to lean. And by the way, just so we all understand this, there's no such thing as three or four party relationships. There may be three or four people that you do life with or called your close friends. There may be a group of people at work that you call, you know, your group of of friends. But relationships are one-on-one. They are personal. They're the interaction between two individual people. And when you lean into someone, if you haven't launched well, when you lean, it will look ugly. Because the tension that exists in interdependence is the tension between offering myself versus finding myself. And I have discovered along the way, and it's been true in my own life, and it's certainly true in times that I've counseled, that the, that the major problem is I never discovered who I was. Therefore, I'm not able to offer myself. But rather, I seek in my marriage and friendships and classmates and coworkers, whatever it is, I seek to find myself in them. And here's the dysfunction in that. No one can give you your identity except for Christ, except for your creator. 
He's the one who made you and he can give you your identity. And if you search for it in your spouse, you'll be disappointed. And if you search for it in your friends or at work, you'll be disappointed. It's found in Christ and offered to the world. There's some, there's, some, there's some interesting things that happen when I don't know who I am or I don't have the necessary coping skills. I'm going to give you three pictures of dysfunction. And listen, you'll be able to relate to some of them. If you're this person, no condemnation today. Today's the thing, day to get things right. If you're not that person, but you know that person, you can chuckle a bit. It's okay, all right? We call it the leech. That's a terrible word, isn't it? It has such negative connotations, but it is a powerful word to describe one of the dysfunctions. When you go from the independent stage to the interdependence, leaning in, if there is dysfunction, one of the things that happens is sometimes is one of the two parties becomes the leech. And they literally suck the life out of the relationship. So they found someone that will accept them. They found someone that will interact with them. And because they're not secure in who they are and because they're not offering themselves but trying to find themselves, all they do is just suck. They take and never give. <laughs> Let me tell you how to, how, how, to, how to picture this person. It's the individual who texts you 6,000 times a day. And they text you questions like, where are you at? What are you doing? Right? It's been two minutes and I haven't heard back from you. And you're like, dear God, give me some, give me some space. Right? So they're constantly wondering what you're doing. And if you ever invest in any other healthy relationship, they're jealous of it, crazy jealous of it. They can't stand that because it's a threat to this one relationship that they're sucking the life out of. It's the leech. It's dysfunctional. It's broken. And if there is an individual who's in that relationship and they are well-adjusted, they have the coping skills and identity, they can stay for a while, but everyone has a breaking point. There is only so much you can pull from someone else before they withdraw themselves from that relationship. It's the leech. There's also, I've just coined this myself, the leaner. I'm not even sure if that's a word, but it is today. It describes perfectly what happens in some relationships. If you come in dysfunctional and broken and haven't found yourself, when someone tries to lean into you in interdependence, you lean away from them. This is the one who's very calloused and hardened. They've been hurt somehow along the way. They've been wounded. Circumstances have you know, been difficult for them. And they're not willing to engage in leaning into that other person. So when they lean, they lean away. They're hardened. They're the wall. Oftentimes these people are very callous. They can be very cold, very calculated with their words, very mean oftentimes. So can the leech, by the way. Don't mess up the leech's system. They can be very, very verbally assaultive as well. But the walled off, the leaner away is that individual who seems very hardened. It's dysfunctional. It's broken. If you can't lean into someone else, it's dysfunctional. Something went wrong. There's a third dysfunction that exists in this interdependence phase, and it's called the pretender. This is the individual who tries to project themselves as something they're really not. And you know those people as well because you hear their story. And this is true in marriage relationship maybe very early on. But, you know, the longer you're with someone, the more you can, you know, begin to read them. Uh, very early on, though, in relationships, this really presents itself. Someone tries to, you know, engage in relationship with you. And they begin to tell, you know, their story about all that took place. And you go... There's no way that's true. You ever, you ever been in that environment like, I know you're saying that, but that's not, that, there is no way, right? And sometimes, sometimes, you know, there is that individual along the way that can back up their story because they've had the most ridiculous story ever and they've got the video to prove it and, you know, the news clippings to prove it. But for the most part, what happens when you hear those outlandish stories is that someone didn't launch well from the home and they're trying to project an image about themselves to you. That makes themselves look more attractive. 
So sometimes we, we overinflate who we are and what we've done and what we've been engaged in just so that we can you know, kind of connect. Sometimes, quite honestly, sometimes we hide a whole lot of who we are in our past. We hide that because we don't want to let anyone else know that we're broken. So sometimes we project an aura of perfection and, and the other person's like, I know they're not that good. There's no way, right? We're pretending. And these are dysfunctions. And they, they cause the relationship to be unhealthy. And my guess would be that either you're in that situation or you likely know someone who fits one of those three dysfunctions. And here's what I would say. You will never achieve the end goal of horizontal relationships, which is what I'm going to tell you next. You will never achieve that if you're leeching, leaning away, or pretending. But what if an individual, what if two individuals find themselves in Christ and then offer themselves in the relationship? What takes place? The benefit of that is called intimacy. Now, I know, fellas, that's like a really odd word for you. So there's some guys in the room right now who totally checked out. Like, I don't know what intimacy is, but I don't really want that. That looks weird to me and sounds weird to me. Sounds girlish. I don't want it. All right, so if that's you and you're like, that just lost me, maybe we should use the word like bonding or connecting or like whatever that word needs to be for you. All it means is, all it means is I'm willing to open myself up. What it means is, is that in this relationship, I see someone that I want to allow in to my life, to my world. Intimacy looks like this. It looks like trust. That you look at that other individual, that person that has found themselves in offering this up, you look at that individual and you say, I am willing to take this risk of opening myself up and connecting with you because I believe you can be reliable. And this idea of trust has several different layers, doesn't it? It, it means transparency. It means that I am not, I'm not going to pretend, and I'm not going to lean away, and I'm, listen, trust me, I'm not going to suck the life out of you. I just, want to, I just want you to know me, and I want to know you. I, I want this relationship to be where I hear your story, you hear my story. We're mutually beneficial to one another in this. And maybe there's something to accomplish together, and maybe there's something to know together, and maybe there's something to do together, but I want us to do this, to open up. And, and I want you to know the real me. Here's me without my clothes on. And this requires vulnerability. You know what vulnerability is? It's being able to be the real you and trusting that the other person is not going to destroy you because they know the real you. That, my friend, is intimacy. Here's the real me. You have all the ammunition you need to kill me, but I believe you won't. Naked and unashamed. Now, this is a picture of what God created, and the truth of the matter is, is in this room right now, there are some people who are working through a dysfunctional marriage, a dysfunctional relationship with a friend or family member, a coworker, a classmate. There is dysfunction that exists in this room. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand because I know it. 
because we live in Genesis 3, in a Genesis 3 world. But Jesus came to give us a Genesis 2 world, a redeemed world, a restored world, a world where we can have health. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to come to terms with this. Some of us today really need to face this head on. Before I do that, I want to just give you one quick thought because some of you are really stressed out right now. And here's why I know why you're stressed out. Number one, because I'm going to ask you to make a life change, and that's always stressful. But number two, you might be a little bit confused, and you're like, Matt, man, you said that I have to, I have to be independent and then inde- interdependent, and then I have to be intimate and open. And they're like, you think about all the dynamics of all your relationships, and you're like, dear, man, that's going to be exhausting. Like, i got to do that with every single relationship? Are you telling me every single person I meet, i got to do all this process with? All right, so if you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I, there's no way I can get to all this, just relax for a moment. Because intimacy looks different at different levels, and you've got to hear this or you'll, 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 you'll feel overwhelmed today. Right? There's layers of intimacy. So, so just, just, just relax for a moment. There's layers. At the deepest layer or the level of intimacy, there is the marriage relationship. It's the foundational picture of intimacy where I can literally be naked and unashamed. It's the deepest level. And then right above that is what I call the brotherhood-sisterhood. You know, like this is my BFF, and these are my fellas, and we do life together, and they know everything about me, but they still want me around, right? That's that layer above that. And by the way, some of you did not know that that's the second layer. And so I'm going to give you permission to take a deep breath. Some of you thought that that the second layer right above marriage was your family. And some of you are going to get freedom today like you've never experienced. Hear me. Family relationships don't necessarily have to be deep and intimate. Here's why. Because some of your family you would never spend time with except for the fact that they are your family. (laughs) True story? There are some people in your family that you would never connect with in any other level except that you're related in like blood relationships with them. So I'm going to give you freedom today. You don't have to be intimate at the deepest levels with every one of your family members. It's okay. It's okay. So there's the, there's the marriage, and then there's that circle of friends that are so close to you. And maybe they're a family member, but most likely it's a coworker or a friend from school or a, you know, a friend from the community. That's that, those people you do life with at the deepest level. And then there's the family, the extended family, and then other friends. They kind of exist a little bit above that. And then right above that is those coworkers and classmates and teammates that you, you're interacting with and you engage with at a pretty, you know, pretty significant level. But I want you to know that they're not at the deepest level and you don't have to be there with them. And then right above that, there's the acquaintances and then there's the strangers, right? There's these different levels. And so here's what I'm asking for you. I'm not asking for you to take every relationship that exists in your world and go down to the marriage level with that. Here, that's not what I'm asking, but here's what I am saying. If you don't have deep intimate relationships in your life, there is dysfunction that has to be resolved. God made you for intimacy. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.